Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 105. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the Lynn... What's, what is Lynn's mascot, man? I don't even know. Well, we have multiple high schools, so it's the Lynn English Bulldogs, Bulldog. the Lynn Classical Rams, the Lynn Tech Tigers, the St. Mary's Spartans, the Kippacata... I, I don't know. There's some other ones. I'm not sure what they're what their mascots are i thought it was raiders for some reason i don't know i mean it could be yeah well anyway joined by thomas smiley and we're here to talk about legacy how was your weekend man uh my weekend was just full of uh full of finishing my grind taking care of a bunch of stuff for school because i've been taking my grad school classes and like dual boxing playing video games and taking care of my family and and a whole bunch of whole bunch of work around the house what so, about yours? It, wait, is dual boxing, does that mean playing Warcraft twice at the same time? Well, no. It meant that I had my Zoom grad school class on my laptop next to my computer uh, where I had my video on my face like I was intently staring at the screen, but I may have just had my headphones in listening to class while I was playing video games, so um, that may have happened. It also has some like Rock'em Sock'em Robot connotations, right? Like I, It, it might. Yeah, I yeah, I'm like, unboxing two robots at the same time. Yeah, yeah, dual boxing, absolutely like solitaire. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, bro, I just uh, cracked a ice warm Yingling out of my golf bag. Was golfing this weekend down in Connecticut. It was pretty sick. Nice. Uh, yeah. One of the benefits of Zoom class is that you can drink while you're in class, and uh, I've taken advantage of that quite a bit. I bet, man. That sounds uh, sounds wonderful. So what, what's the deal with teaching? Are you going back yet? Do you know yet? We don't know yet. They're trying to develop two plans. One for the kids being back in school, which like, I just, I don't see happening. We don't have the resources of the space for everybody to be in the building. It was crowded enough as it was. We didn't have enough room for everybody. Class well, what sizes were the... averaging above 30. And you can't fit, you can't fit that many people in the building with, uh, with separation. Yeah. What happened so, to the half the kids one day, half the kids the other day plan? Is that still? Well, I mean, it could be. They're trying to develop two different plans, one for remote learning, one for back in school. So it could be like a hybrid. It could be half the kids in school one week and then half learning online. Yeah. It could be all of them learning online. It could be like the at-risk kids and kids with um like IEPs or ELs in the building and the kids without those those things going on being at home uh it it really depends on what the district does so at this point we're we're getting ready for both but we have no idea how it's actually going to be gotcha yeah man i I mean i think that the the half and half thing probably makes sense that's what my neighbors seem to think was most likely but i don't know i I mean that's kind of more like like what it's going to be in college right where, like, obviously oh, yeah, you're not on a week, off a week, but you have more gaps in between your classes where you're responsible for your own work. Mm-hmm. And I think the the one week on, one week off really sort of encapsulates, like, the personal responsibility you have to do, that you have to have in order to succeed in college. So I, I like that more, where gotcha. you can periodically check in, but uh, but it's more, more learning on their own. Yeah. Um... I mean, the, the challenge, though, is, like, if, if they're not in class at all, then they're not learning at all in that scenario, right? What do you mean? Like, if they're at home the whole time? Or, 
Are you saying that the week off they're not doing anything? No, well, what, it sounded like that's what you were saying. So No, I'm, I'm saying like the week off is used for, okay, you're in class for like a compacted week. Mm-hmm. You do all of your teaching, but the practice on their own and the homework and like all of the other stuff is that's theirs to take what they learned in class and to like grind out on their own. Yeah. Which is kind of the way that college lectures are where you sit for lecture, what, like six hours a week, but you have 10 hours of work on your own yeah. that you're you're trying to like put it all together yourself. Right. So that that's the way that I envision it at least. For high school. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I thought you were saying it works for high school or it, it couldn't work for high school. I misunderstood. Oh, but, no, I'm saying it would probably be better for the high school kids to have experience with yeah, that I got style. You. Yeah, yeah, Sweet. Um, anyway. I got to play some Legacy this weekend, though, man. I forgot. It was uh, Jim Not Dredge's birthday on Friday night, so we went over there. And uh, Tim, our buddy Tim had his Death and Taxes deck, so we jammed some games. And uh, it was good times, man. Like, just, you know, playing Paper Legacy in person for the first time. I played I played some games with Pat a few weeks ago, but that's probably it for the past three months or whatever. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been mostly online. Mm-hmm. But I want to I clarify something, just in case people were, were wondering. We had, like, a comment on our Patreon about a conversation we had last week. I went grocery shopping today. Uh-huh. I wore my mask. Obviously. And I, I, I correctly went up and down all of the aisles because I paid more attention to it this time. Uh-huh. So there were there were some people that were kind of frustrated at our conversation last week, and I want to apologize for that. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway. Just, I, I can yeah, only we'll, imagine. We'll just go with that. We'll go yeah. with that. <laughs> right. yeah. Was there any feedback on the Patreon about the, uh, the shorter episodes? Uh, no, nobody said anything. It's oh. more food pictures. Oh, man. Some of our, I want like, I I want some of the people that are in our Discord to like cook for me because every time I open up that channel, it I want that food and maybe it's just because I'm like fat and I want everything, but <laughs> man, that's the best channel in our Discord for sure. Yeah, I uh, the only feedback that I received was that people like the longer episodes, which is not what I expected, and I think it's a a biased sample because it was. It was our, our buddy Teabag Tom, and he, uh, you know, th- they have a slower pace of life up there, let's just say. <laughs> so, you know, maybe an hour and, and a half is, uh, you know, he's just getting settled in. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I'd have to say if you sampled everybody, it'd probably be shorter, right? Well, we got we to gotta give the fans what they want so we can have the extended cut with no edits <laughs> for Tom. And then everybody else can get the compacted version. He'd probably love that, honestly. Oh, I'm sure he would. So did you see the ban announcement today? I did. I saw that they, like, they kind of underhandedly, like, tipped their hat to the legacy community. They're like, hey, listen, fuckers, the data doesn't support banning, but y'all are whining about it, so we're going to watch it. At least that's how I interpreted the little paragraph. Yeah, I mean, you know, they mentioned it, so that's, that's something that's good that they're at least thinking about it. Yep. It, it was weird, though, because what what he said... Well, first of all, there was, like, paragraphs about historic, which, I mean, I, I understand historic, right? It's just, like, the cards that are on Arena since they left beta. 
Or yeah, not but even... like, who, who gives a shit about it? Right, but then they've, like, added, like, handfuls of cards now and again. Mm-hmm. And they had, like, paragraphs about it. And then for Pioneer, they just had Oath of Nyssa is unbanned, which is whatever. But uh, that led to, like, me seeing some tweets and investigating. And I guess that the Pioneer challenges haven't been firing. Like, four out of five before this weekend hadn't fired. So they're like, okay, if we bring Mono Green back, maybe maybe people will play it again? Well, is I, that the card that Oath of Nyssa was in? I think it was in Mono Green. It was also in, like, the uh, control decks, too, though. It's, like, it's Ponder for the format, really. Okay. I guess it makes sense. So, yeah, I, I think uh, from what I could gather, I guess, like, Combo is doing really well in the format. It's, like, Combo and Devotion are the, are the decks and then Burn. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, it's just like hasn't been firing. So it seems yeah, nothing, like they've... nothing say, says that you have an amazing format like the good old devotion versus burn matchup. Yeah, dude, it, it looked pretty miserable, honestly. So the uh, I don't know. The takeaway that I kind of had was that Pioneer was kind of getting cucked for historic, and I think that the Hasbro earnings on July twenty seventh. That that webcast, bro, I'm pumped for that. Like, I, I can't wait to hear. And I don't know. They're not. I know they're not going to say anything because they never say anything. But I really, I'm just looking for any sort of insight into how much money they're making digitally, right? Right. I mean, they're not going to give it to us. They've never given a like individual breakdown for Magic the Gathering. People oh, have had no. to like take their gaming category and subtract out certain things. There right. is, there's basically a zero chance, in my opinion, that we get any absolute numbers or anything like that. But I'm yeah. just curious about like arena relative to the pie or moto relative to the pie, right? Like if they say arena is not has now outstripped Magic Online in terms of revenue, something like that, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. But the whole push, trying to push historic thing, everything being focused on arena, that's like a like a corporate like bullet point that's not player player driven you don't see people being like oh man i got this sweet historic deck this is my favorite format it's like it's completely artificial oh yeah well i mean it's what they're incentivizing is the only thing they're incentivizing really because like what do you even qualify for like we had the showcase challenges this weekend like mm-hmm. wh- what do you qualify for right i mean is there a pro tour or I mean, like, there's probably going to be some arena tournament that you get a special login for that you can sit down and play at home. Yeah. Instead like, of, tra- like, getting to travel to Barcelona with a plane ticket in a hotel room and, and play yeah, paper cards. It's, like, not it's, not, even, it's not the same. It's not remotely comparable. So, yeah. like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I really wish we could get some of that information. And we talked about this before, but arena is so opaque in in that regard where you know you you can't even tell how many drafts are firing you only know what you are playing right like how long it takes your pod to fill up maybe yeah like you can't you can't really extrapolate that out at all like you can do a ton with moto like with with the trophy race in m21 you can just export the leaderboard as a csv total up the trophies and multiply by eight and you have the number of entries right right and at two bucks a pop then you have to profit from the format so like you can figure out tons of numbers for moto 
you can't do that with arena so i'm, I'm really curious how, how you know how it's doing and because i think that that's going to inform a lot about the future of moto okay I, don't know, it's just I, I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't think the future of Moto really plays into what Wizards of the Coast is trying to do, and I don't think it really has anything to do with the fact that like those numbers are hidden behind the client, but maybe, maybe they're looking at like, uh, no, there's no way they're doing that. Like, how how that publicly available information of Moto entries could affect their bottom line, like their their stock price, people trading on it, and I don't think that's a real thing. Oh, they could definitely make it less transparent, and I'm I'm afraid that they're going to do that pretty soon. But you know, I'm I'm just thinking about like in terms of my collection and stuff, you know. And I think it's interesting that Pioneer had so much hype. Like there were, there were well, like three hundred paper tournaments. Right, that's when what I'm saying. Paper tournaments because people had those paper cards. But now, like that's done. I, I got a funny story about like paper collections. Today, I was in my office getting ready for class, and my kid came in, and I wasn't really paying attention to him when uh, when I started to set up my second computer to to get on class. So he opened up the closet and started going through cards, and it actually had some piles of cards on the floor, and I didn't notice because I wasn't really paying attention. My wife came in, and she was like, look, what is he doing? He made a mess. And I turned around, there were some cards on the floor, and I was like, oh, don't don't worry, like... That's just bulk. He's just playing with it because I, I didn't want to admit that I wasn't paying attention to him. <laughs> and she's like, no, that's not bulk. There's wastelands on the floor. <laughs> and one, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot that my wife knows how much magic cards are worth. And two, she's like, listen, if you're not going to, like, manage this, maybe you don't need all these cards. Oh. And she went, she went right to that. So I... Yeah, I feel that on the let, let me take care of my collection aspect. Yeah. Anyway, continue <laughs> with what fun. you were going. That was a that was a cute story I thought I'd share. Yeah. I don't know when it was, honestly. It was like when Pioneer was announced. It was probably like a year ago at this point, but there were like 392 players or whatever the cap is on the on the first challenge that I was going to play it and then I think it capped again the next weekend. You know, there was like all this enthusiasm and yeah, it was a new format. And yeah, there was like Star City schedule was announced. But when I was reading about it today, like the people who had said like the, you know, the four of the last five challenges hadn't fired, et cetera. Um, one thing that I, I, everybody was complaining about the format and saying, oh, we need bands or we need whatever, you know, their, their specific gripe was. And nobody wants to play like dual decks, inverter versus breach or whatever. But really, when I looked at the format, it wasn't that. And just how much paper drives people playing Moto. I think people like totally missed that in their mm -hmm. close-up evaluation, you know? Well, that was like that was the reason why I got into Moto. I wanted to get better in paper. I wanted a tool Are you still to there? be able to prepare. Yeah, can you hear me? Yo. Yo, can you hear me? Tom, you still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Hello? No. Yo. Yo. It says, yo, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, bro? Yes. Tom. Yes. Yo. Yo. I'm sorry, man. Hold on. Ah. Uh... Yo. Yo. 
Can you hear me? Can you hear me now, yep. bro? Yeah, I can hear you. What's up? Hey, can you hear me? All right. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck just happened. Oh, thank yeah, God. Okay. No, you yeah, were... That was shitty. Okay. Yeah. I, I could hear you the whole time. I don't think you could hear me. Fuck. Hello? Motherfucker. Yeah, I couldn't hear you. Sorry. Um, okay. So, yeah. what wh- Whatever I was saying about the... Uh... Yo. Yo. Tom. Yup. Hello. Yo. Yo, what's going on? What's up, bro? Yeah, that, nothing. That's I could scary. hear you the whole time. Ah, uh, dude, you're you're already breaking up like crazy. No. Um. No, let's just let's just try it. I mean, I can okay. mostly hear you now. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely hear you the whole so, time. So so yeah, dude. I just think. I think people just underestimate how much paper was driving Moto. You know. Yeah, and that was the reason why I got into Moto. I wanted another tool to practice for legacy tournaments with other people and that was the easiest way to get a bunch of matches in uh which is what drew me to moto like i didn't love the client in fact i hated the client when i started and uh i I, it's just a necessary evil that you have to deal with in order to play the format you want to Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's my take the other thing about uh the the ban announcements and why i'm talking about this is because one thing that Ian Duke explicitly said that I thought was kind of weird was with regard to Astrolabe, he said that uh, in Legacy at present, play rates and win rates for Astrolabe don't warrant action. And if he just said win rates, that's one thing. But play rates, I feel like play rates are an unreliable metric right now because what reason do people have to be playing online, right? Okay. I mean, I think that like... You have to take a look at that and say, if Astrolabe was this powerful, oppressive force and this card warranted banning, that more people would be playing the deck to win. I think that's that's the idea behind what his statement. But in reality, I think the idea behind Astrolabe decks, it transcends win rate because the card... the the effect of the card in the format is just to completely tilt it away from where legacy used to be and allow you to play a wastelandless uh or a mana base that is like wasteland proof that still allows you to accomplish all your goals yeah so the the win rate in my opinion is less important than the like fundamental change it makes to the format I, that's the way that i always looked at it all right so yeah, and I agree with what you're saying, but also on the, on the counterpoint, and we're going to get to this soon, Rug Delver took first, second, and third in the Showcase Challenge. Good. W- with Wastelands, you know? So yep. I, the, the counterpoint that I'm more worried about is, you know, what data they're looking at. They're basically, the only data they can be looking at is online data because there's no paper tournaments to be looking at. And yep. most of the online data that, that they're processing is probably leagues right i mean there's way more games played in the league over the course of a week than there are in a challenge yeah i really hope that they're not just looking at leagues that would make me really sad yeah because to your point where if astrolabe was really good people would just be playing it to win i still think that even if you were winning at a 60 percent 
grip with Astrolabe, it'd be more profitable to win at a 55% grip with like Doomsday or, uh, you know, Tess or, or uh, you know, Black Red Reanimator or some. some oh, when you're, you're talking about like tickets churning over time because Hello? you are the number of leagues that you can get into is way is way more with a quicker deck. Hello. Uh... Yo. 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 Can you hear Yo. me, bro? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Yeah, you were breaking can you hear up. Me? I, I... Hello. Hi. Fuck. God oh, motherfucker. It. it doesn't say anything's wrong with my connection. I don't know. Yep. Well, on. I'm I'm doing other stuff on my computer where my connection is fine, so okay. I, I I know that it's not me. Well, though, so last time it was definitely me because it said okay. it said trying to connect and stuff. This time it mm-hmm. didn't say anything, but okay. Um, well, I understand your point about how a quicker deck can churn through more leagues, so your win percentage matters yeah. less. Like if you take a full hour to go through a match and you have a 90% win percentage, it might make sense to play a deck that has a 70% win percentage, but you can play five leagues in an hour. Exactly, so I, yeah. I under I understand uh, I understand what you're trying to say. And why, yeah, why I think that play rate is really a problematic statistic in the current situation, that's all. Right. And, like, I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I've heard this echoed, this sentiment echoed a lot, is that people don't enjoy playing in the Astrolabe decks. Like, I personally yeah. don't either. So I, I think that they're, they're some of the more expensive decks to play online because a lot of times you're talking about Teferi and Oko and, you know, other, other potentially expensive cards, you know, Force of Wills and everything. But I think that... Uh, you know, people might just not enjoy playing them as much, and if there's no incentive to, to be getting good at them right now, or if people expect a ban, they're just going to be steered away from them. So I just think that the the rate of people playing them was an incredibly unreliable metric right now. Yeah. And yeah, what you said, speaking to just our opinion on the cards in general, like we've always felt like Astrolabe was a structural problem rather than a, a, a win percentage problem anyway. So it's almost a Okay. Yep, I, that was the main point that I was trying to make. Yeah, and I definitely still agree with that. I mean, that's sort of been our take all along. But yep. hopefully something gets done. I don't know. We'll see. I, I feel like everything else hinges on, on the Astrolabe first. But whatever. Obviously, the data from the Showcase Challenge, you know, we had a Showcase Challenge this weekend. We had 204 players, I believe. And that's a huge, huge event. People take it seriously. You know, there's, there's uh, prizes on the line, so... First, second, and third, all rug Delver decks. Uh, I believe it was three Okos, three Okos, and two Okos. They were all Dreadhorde mm-hmm. Arcanist uh, Oko decks. One of them had Goyfs, but yeah, it was Manuel, Danninger, The Style, and Treyosk playing uh, rug Delver with three Okos each. Yeah, I mean, like, rug Delver is a very solid deck. If you take a look at what's going on in Legacy right now and you want to take, like, the deck that plays the best cards, uh, Rug Delver is probably probably near the top of the list for that. So it doesn't surprise me that it is doing very well. E- e- regardless of how, like, 
mana bases are less resilient or more resilient to wasteland than they have been in the past. Rug Delver isn't like yeah. this stifle deck anymore. It's more of like a mid range. Yeah, I mean it's really because we were talking about this last week, like how Oko, how I, I believe that Oko and Arcanist together have really changed the deck. Yep. And it it seems really pronounced this week specifically because everybody's on, almost everybody's on three Okos at this point. It's like, it, it's more than just what True Name used to be to the deck. You know what I mean? Yep. You're you're really built around going long, so it's it's kind of like a different thing. It almost shouldn't even be called Rug Delver anymore. And a lot of people were clamoring. I saw someone's take that I I, th- I believe it was Callum was saying that Delver is the workshops of Legacy, and that's kind of true. Like I I, I agree with that, but there's also this other point that we've talked about before where uh, Delver is just so much better than the next best threat that you. You don't have to be an aggro deck to play Delver, you know. Yeah, you can be like a you can be a mid range deck, and, and throw I think that's Delver what in. these are. Yeah. Well, I mean, what that's what are. the blue white what the blue white Delver decks used to be, mm-hmm. or like the blue like the Jeskai Delver was really like it wasn't really a Delver deck. It was more of a you're playing Delver in this role as a threat in a mid range deck. Like the old Jeskai Delver shell was really a Stoneblade shell with Delver, and yeah similarly to the to the like more recent blue white decks that's just like how it how it works out and yeah like occasionally you get that like double delver draw where you go completely aggro but really it's just a super efficient threat yeah i think that's a much better comp for this rug delver deck is the old blue white delver decks yeah because that's just the speed that it's operating at and you're you're consistently going past the seventh turn with this deck you know and grinding people okay yeah, I mean, the, the Dreadhorde Arcanist, I hate to draw comparisons to other two drops, but, like, it kind of fills that Stoneforge Mystic Shell where... Exactly. You have, like, that grindy two drop that gains you card advantage that wants to go long. And yeah. uh, I see a lot of similarities between them. Definitely, man. I And it, there's almost, like, even when we'd see, like, Miracles decks, Cyborg four delvers like you know that was that was pretty rare but like in the past we have seen weird shit like that mm-hmm. uh, where people cyborg into delvers just because it's that much better than the next best thing and i think that that's sort of the problem that we're we're hitting right now more so than delver allowing other cards to be really powerful like workshops do in vintage like where any artifact at, at three or four mana is instantly considered mm-hmm I think it's more just that Delver's that much better than the next best thing, so it just keeps showing up more more so than that it's it's shaping everything. So, do you think we need better answers yeah. to Delver, or do you think we need better threats like that in other colors to, I don't know, sort of diversify things? I don't know if that's what that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, I think that I mean the loss of Deathrite Shaman for one. You know, we've talked about this a lot. There's not like a good one drop in black to play. You know, if there was like a hybrid blue black or hybrid blue red or or something else, no disrespect to your boy Niv Magus Elemental, but hey, uh, listen, that boy know. eats Flusterstorms like a champ. <laughs> yeah, just some other thing to play, right? That that uh, was it. I I don't want to say like a, exactly a commensurate power level, but I guess Elvish Reclaimer is is kind of close. But I that, I that's could... the only other thing we've seen, I guess. Yeah, I can. I can get behind that. It is extremely powerful. It's one mana. It does some amazing things. 
and it takes a little bit of work to activate, kind of like Delver does. So I, I can see that comparison. I think it's apt. Did we lose? Did you lose me again? Yeah. Ah, I said I, I can see that comparison. I think it's a good one. All right. So the next weirdest thing about this challenge, we'll try to bang this out. The next weirdest thing, I think, is the Storm decks in the top 32 are all Doomsday decks. We got Romario well, Vidal in fourth place. Uh, Sharkcaster. No, I'm sorry. Neville Shoot in 20th. And somebody else, uh, Sawatrix in 25th. Well, if Rugdelver is like the the top dog, and we talked about how Rugdelver is getting more mid-range, Doomsday is kind of like that mid-range killer. Like you're not trying to go off turn one or two. You're not playing. You're not. You're not fighting on that axis. You're yeah. really fighting for that. Like, all right, I'm gonna develop. I'm gonna set my base. I'm going off kind of late. And I'm going to be a little bit more resilient. So I, I, I'm not willing to say that, like, all right, it's the best Storm deck right now. But I think people might have figured out how to fight uh, the Epic Storm and Ant in their, like, okay, we're going to go super quick. This is how we're going to fight. People, have, people may have figured out that axis. And Doomsday might be a better way to combat the format. But again, this one tournament, it's a small sample size, and uh, I, I'm not willing to like say this is the way it is. I'm just trying to analyze why. No, it's just crazy. I mean, if there was one or even two of these decks, it wouldn't surprise me. But for all three of the quote-unquote you know, spell-based combo storm decks to be Doomsday is like yep. something unheard of six months ago, right? Right, right, right. Das's Oracle is you know a big bump for that deck, but that's really all that we're talking about, other than shifts in the meta. And I mean, Rug Delver typically, you know, you're not playing the hard hate like uh, Rest in Peace Leyline that kind of shit. Um, right. I mean, like you're playing the, Cluster the, Storm. The meta isn't very. Yeah. Yeah. There's um. Not a ton of chalices in this event, so that helps, but. I hear you. I don't know. So did you see the deck in sixth place? No, tell me about it. Bro, I, I don't know what where to start telling you about this deck. It's fucking... I don't even know what to call it. It's uh, the Scuba 96. Two Karns and three Teferis. One Jace Fringe Prodigy, three Dreadnoughts. One Astrolabe, one Scroll of Fate, one Search for Ascanta. Two Shark Typhoons, two Standstills, one Verdict, one Savin's Reclamation, four Brainstorm, four Force of Will, two Force Negation, one Enlightened Tutor, one Spell Snare, four Stifle, and four Plow. Hmm. It seems like somebody wanted so to play it's like Stifle, Stifle Knot, meets Stifle Shark Knot still and Shark with... Still, and had a very limited trade binder. Like, and they put them all yeah, together in the same package. Deck. Yeah, I I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I don't think anybody could have imagined this before they saw the list posted. And there was a bunch of people on Facebook and Twitter like, yo, who is doing this? Because they were 7-1 going into the top 8. And uh, it's obviously like super interesting. I, I want a little bit more time to actually analyze like 
why the choices were made, how it fights the meta, and all of that stuff. Because it's just like, this is too crazy for me to deal with right now. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. like, that's... I, I just, I can't do it. I, I don't have the tools to be able to tell you guys why. There's an aspect of, like, spreading people too thin, right? Because, like, when Rug Delver's the best deck... Well, first of all, Rug Delver's good at this because they can bring in stuff like Winter Orb and you can't bring an artifact removal against them, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they spread you thin, but they're also thin on, on ways to get rid of problem permanents, right? I mean, they have Oko now, so mm-hmm. so that's, like, typically their, their best way to, to deal with that. But they're not, like, a, you know, four abrupt decay deck or something. Right, uh, but aren't aren't you, like, spreading yourself really thin? Yeah. When you play a deck like this that has Shark still and, like, not four um, Phyrexian Dreadnoughts and, like... You're you're just you're putting you're spreading out your game plan so thin where obviously like a, a really good pilot might be able to tie all these lines together and uh, predict the interaction from the opponent and try to craft the game plan to where like you run them out of removal and have your one last threat to win. But I just I, I don't know how it all ties together. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. It it seems to me like just the power of the 2019 Planeswalkers. Yo, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It seems like there's the power of, of having five 2019 Planeswalkers is a big part of it, probably. You know, like a mm-hmm. turn three Teferi or a turn four Karn every game when yeah. your opponent's trying to figure out what's going on is pretty big. It does seem like a lot of sideboard space to give up for only having two Karns in your main deck, though. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think about it. Like, I, I don't know what is behind the designer's um, choices, so I'm, yeah. I'm not going to say anything about it, but it, the whole the whole thing seems crazy to me. But obviously they did, did you well see Spark with Hunter Ma- Did you see Spark Hunter Masticore on the sideboard? I did not. This is a card we didn't talk about at all. It's a Masticore from M21, so you have to discard mm-hmm. a card when you cast it. But you can pay one to deal one damage to a Planeswalker. So I've seen the Karn decks now including this in their sideboard package, probably to get out from under locks and stuff. You know, kill, yeah. kill Okos, Teferis, whatever. And it's a card that I totally missed on. Like, I, I didn't even look twice at this card because it seems so below rate, but it's getting Yeah, I mean, now, it, so just, I it seemed like it. a complete throwback to the old Masticore, and I was like, oh, that's cute. I never thought that it would see play in Legacy, to be honest. Maybe maybe in like yeah. a like a post deck uh, or a completely colorless yeah. one, but not like this. So the only other thing, obviously, I think that that's the talk of the tournament besides Rug Delver and Doomsday. But uh, real quick, I wanted to say a Goblin's deck, Cedrin playing a Goblin's deck came in eleventh, and it had no conspicuous Snoop, but it had two of the Muxus. So it's just funny that mm. we talked about Goblins with getting this new card, and it turns out they got a different new card. Yeah, I mean, I thought. I thought that the Snoop was like the way better card, like yeah. just oh, on definitely. paper, curve wise, just everything. But now it just seems that I have no idea what's going on with goblins because everybody's playing Muxus, and I didn't think that card was playable at all. So, I, I, I'm willing to say that I just I don't I don't really understand a lot about goblins, <laughs> where I thought that I did. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I played against it, was oh, still yeah. played a lot, had really good luck with it and all of that. 
but I guess I've never been the Goblin's pilot to, like, really know what they were looking for. Because to True. me, on paper, Snoop seemed great, and Muxus was trash, but I was I was completely wrong on both accounts. Yeah, well, I, I don't know about Snoop being trash exactly. I think that we're still going to see it pop up, but... Yep. Muxus shocked me too, man. I mean, you know, they... If you talk to any Goblins pilot, they'll all say the same thing. Like, Ringleader is just so busted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's Ancestral Recall or whatever. And I guess, you know, their fifth and sixth Ancestral Recalls made a big difference. And, you know, it's really not that much of a challenge to get to six mana. I don't know. Yeah, they, I mean, that, that blew my now. mind. Like, I understand why Ringleader is good. I didn't I didn't think that they wanted a six-cost one. And I didn't think they, they would be able to get there. So that was... Right. Uh, Yep, that was my my shortcoming with that card. Yep. All right, bro. Do you want to wrap this, this early struggle tonight. technical difficulties or? Yeah. Yeah. It's been oh, a big definitely. Uh, I uh, I'm gonna I'm send sorry. the uncut. You know. I'm gonna send the uncut episode to Tom, and uh, when we get back <laughs> to to regular regular internet, when you guys are all settled, we'll uh, we'll do some more. Maybe we can record from my office next week. Or I'll be in the office when I record, and uh, then next week I'll be in Cleveland. So, yeah. When um, so if you if you ever want to do it at a not normal time, like we usually record Monday nights, if it works better for you at different times, let me know because I'm around all the time. Yeah, bro. We'll figure something out. All right. All right. That's a wrap. So, how can people get in touch with you? If they were like, wow, I loved these pauses. Oh, and I yeah, wish dude. that I wish that Tom and Ian could like not communicate like that all the time. If people wanna if people you? wanna compliment us on being true professionals of the craft, uh, at Ian eighteen one twenty five on Twitter, uh deadformatcast at gmail dot com with all your emails. How about you? Uh at T MTG on Twitter and uh and that's that. Alright man, that's a wrap.